Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Our guest today on Creativity in Play is David Pogue, personal technology columnist for the New York Times and an Emmy award-winning tech correspondent for CBS News. He's also a best-selling author of how-to books for the Dummy series, as well as his own Missing Manual series. David has a degree in music from Yale and spent 10 years conducting and arranging Broadway musicals in New York. He will be part of the opening session with Sir Ken Robinson and Dan Pink at the Creativity World Forum in Oklahoma City on November 6th. And we are still waiting for David Pope to join us today. Very good. Well, how would we like to start today, Steve? Well, perhaps we can pick up the broad theme here of creativity and play, which both of us bring to the show that we have launched a couple weeks back with Ken Robinson and Itamar Kubovi from Palabalas the other day. And um, let me just ask you about your work with play and why that component of creativity is such an important piece. Well, in our society, we are told that um, adults don't play and that play is not necessary after a certain age, say around age seven at the um, at the longest. And um, so children learn very fast that they are to work towards uh, greater test scores and achievement and competition rather than uh, free play and uh, creative activities and just hanging out and using their imagination, being outside and enjoying life um, without this sense of constantly push, 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 push. So play, um, I want to see play everywhere for everyone in all ages because it's a playful experience and movement helps us create fuller life and that's why we're here. And it also helps us to see what our purpose is in life and help us to deepen our relationships with people and learn better and easier. So it creates much more, play creates much more ease in life. And you've been doing some particular work with uh, military families. Can you describe a little bit of that and, and what that actually looks like and what, what sort of the outcome of some of that has been with, with both children and adults? Yes. Well, um, I was just at a camp this summer called the Wangy Camp, which is for National Guard kids. And um, in the National Guard community, of course, the families are in our communities but aren't necessarily on a base, per se. And so sometimes they're very hidden. And with years of war under our belt, there's been a lot of trauma in these families. And it used to be that the big stressor was all the moves within the military community, and so children would have to constantly be readjusting. And the adults would have to be constantly readjusting. But now with the wars that we have been have been going on for now eight years, we um, are finding that the stressors that are the big list of stressors that are out there, um, divorce, divorce, um, 
um, people dying in the family, um, various kinds of traumas, um, and just our common day-to-day stressors, all of those add up to just a tremendous pile that these families have to deal with, and particularly the kids. And so there's a lot more uh, acting out in schools, and uh, the kids just aren't able to enjoy life and to um, be all they can be as well. And in the family sense, there's um, there's a lot of uh, more uh, spousal abuse, more uh, abuse of the kids, and... Um, just a real sense of disease. And so at the camp, what I saw was a lot of the volunteer, all the volunteers really were parents or staff in the military coming together to help these kids um, play, basically. So the Department of Defense uh, has named play as an initiative for um, all, everyone in the military, in fact, one, at one of the conferences on positive psychology, this was talked about, that um, the military sees play as a way to help these families experience more ease in their life and better balance, and also to fulfill their mission in the military, which is what they're there for. And with a more balanced family life and more playful family life, they um, they look towards the goal of fulfilling their mission through a more e- more ease and play. So um, I'm just delighted to see that our our government or these bigger systems are supporting play. And there was a conference this last summer as well called the Military Child Education Coalition conference, which also featured play uh, in terms of one of the keynote speakers bringing that um, and talking about how thousands of parents in the particular school district back east have been influenced through exploring more playfulness in life. So how about you, Steve? You, you have really focused on creativity in your work and have a fantastic website and have been doing multiple um, different events, and uh, so you're very involved in uh, creativity circles, especially on on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast, so it's a, kind of a nice tie in there across the U.S. for the two of us. So how, how about you? Can you tell us a little bit about your work and what you've been doing and what you hope to do? Sure. I, w- I would say that at the core of all of these different pieces of work that I do with all different kinds of groups is is the idea of helping us think in new ways and sort of unblock our imagination and our ability to think creatively and recognizing that for many of us, if there's either a perception that we're not creative or it, even if we are, that we often get blocked by uh, the judgments and the habits and assumptions and things that get in the way of us. Um, both tapping into our creativity and and being able to apply that to whatever it is we do, whether it's learning or work or engagement in communities um, beyond our our, uh, study and and work lives. So it really is um, working with diverse groups of people to to help tap back into that that thinking part of our creativity, uh, which really tries to push 
beyond the the arts part of creativity while recognizing that's obviously a very key part of it, but that it's also something much broader than only the arts and that all of us, uh, no matter what our background or what our field is, can uh, incorporate this part of ourselves to our daily lives as a as a kind of every the everyday creativity part of uh of this topic so um, that for me ends up meaning uh working with um teachers to bring creativity into the classroom to teach for creativity but also as a starting point to say in order to do that individual teachers need to understand their own creativity if they want to recognize and draw it out of their students um, or to do this um, in a corporate setting where people are looking to problem solve in new ways or to create new products or services and how to have ideas to do that. Um, and sort of, a, I guess, an umbrella over all of this is, is the idea of creative community building and that if we engage our creativity in, the, in schools, in the workplace, um, in, in our retired lives, in our government lives, uh, that all of that feeds up into creative community building and, and looking at ways in which individuals can engage their creativity in some meaningful activity and uh, really link their, their selves to their organizations, their communities in, in ways that are meaningful and, and let them express their creativity. So since we, we had planned on having David with us today and talking about um, technology and creativity, I wonder what your, what your uh, take is on the link between creativity and technology. Yeah, I think, I think for me it's a question in, in both directions. How does creativity help us perhaps develop uh, new technology, which I think David's work is in his writing for the New York Times particularly sort of tracks those interesting, creative, innovative pieces of technology. But the flip side of that, how does how can create how can technology help feed and enhance our creativity? And um, I think it, it very much is is applicable in both directions. I think a lot of the creative process, the creative think, thinking aspects I was just describing. Um, can be applied very much to say how do we adapt technology for new uses, how do we imagine new possibilities to create through technology, and of course technology um, at the cutting edge I think is uh, things that many of us probably in our daily lives are not even aware of to a great degree is, is out there in terms of, of um, embedding very tiny micro technology into clothing or into the walls of our houses or into the refrigerator or things that we use and, and what's going on um, to explore ways to um, it, it embed that technology and really help us uh, enhance our, our quality of daily life through sort of technology that's just there but we don't see it, it but it ideally is helping us um, change the way we, we do things and hopefully make them simpler, better and uh, therefore improve our quality of life. And the Philips organization, one of the technology uh, companies, uh, really has had an emphasis in that whole idea of how can technology improve our quality of life as opposed to how can we produce 
just more stuff that's technology-based and, and really recognizing that, you know, there's an environmental impact of just creating stuff that's interesting and fun but not necessarily helping us uh, live a different kind of life. Um, so that to me is fascinating and I think it very much has to do with creativity. And likewise, I think there's a lot of tools out there, whether it's software tools to brainstorm and um, problem solve uh, using technology to help kind of guide us through that or it's using um, online pictures and videos to sort of help spark new ideas and new thinking or it's examples like the TED website which has lots of great presentations from the TED conference that are readily and freely available to help us learn in new ways um, it, you know from the fact that most of us will never be at that conference, but what's coming out of that conference can be disseminated widely through the use of technology. Um, so I think those are, for me personally, examples of, of um, where creativity can help us use and develop technology differently as well as how technology can help inspire us in our creative endeavors. Well. I like uh, the phrase uh, simplicity of design that I saw in David's um, write-up and um, in his bio. And I wonder about uh, when I look at uh, technology and creativity and play, I wonder about the simple because we – I also had a question about how technology fits in with creativity. I wonder, isn't it counter to creativity? And um, my answer is there are simple ways or kind of, I guess, streamlined ways for me personally where I um, look at what is out there and what could be out there and try to, um, in my own intuitive way, poke into it, like the Blog Talk Radio, and um, see what can, what can happen, what can I imagine, but not give all of my time and a push to get to sit at the computer the entire day. I also write, so I'm, I'm on it, uh, on the computer and at my pad writing quite a bit as it is. And so um, I find ways to balance that out and I'm I'm very interested currently in how children um, are on, they're on the internet at school they're on the internet at home they're texting and there's uh, concerns from educators and parents about um, how uh, children are you know what what's safe on the internet how much time should be spent on the uh, in these technologies versus being out in nature because um, one stat says that 60% of kids in this one research study would prefer to be at the computer rather or playing games on the computer rather than being outdoors and so that there's also safety issues parents have about being outdoors and being how safe is just being out there and being free freely uh, roaming about. Um, without boundaries. So uh, because we have such structure built into our days, both as for kids and adults, I wonder about, you know, the time we spend and our focus, but there's also huge amounts of um, offerings that are through technology 
that we can um, take advantage of, whether youth or adult or elder. And so, and elders, you know, they get often separated as we age in our society. We we find that elders are often separated um, in different ways and isolated. And one way to bring them back in is through the Internet. A lot of elders are taking computer classes and getting involved in some of these technologies. So across the board, there's a lot of possibilities and um that I'm sure David uh, would speak to. He also, David Pogue also um, had a, a, a beginning in uh, music and composing and conducting, which I find fascinating that um, for myself, I was led into some of these technologies because my my background in the arts and movement, interestingly enough, that, that slowed me into um, some of this... Um, technology that's out there. Uh, David had this, it's a kind of an old video, I guess, actually 2008, but I was listening to it or looking at it, and it's the drag and naturally speaking, which I've been looking at over the years. And he had a very comedic take on it and seemed to really like drag and naturally speaking, which is where you're, um, you're talking and the computer does everything for you. It types out the text and you can go to the websites all without even touching the keyboard. So that to me as a writer is is a and somebody who does a lot of program development is uh quite fascinating. So um I as I talk I can I realize, you know, just how excited I am about uh these various possibilities and that are very playful and creative, but I am aware myself personally of the time element and wanting to find a good balance. Um, but at the same time, wanting to investigate all these wonderful possibilities. And I, I think as you were describing that, I, the, the disconnect sometimes between the amount of time spent using technology at the computer, particularly for younger people, and therefore the the not playing, whether it's free play outside or playing, interacting with another individual or multiple people, um, and how how we almost have to become very deliberate about the stepping away from the technology while recognizing the benefits and, and positive impact it can have and the connections it can make, both for older people and younger people. Um, but that there's still this physical part of ourselves. And as we talk about our creative lives, that physical part of, of moving um, and exploring and without an agenda and, and discovering new things through play is still an important part. And, and it's a part that, you know, we do very poorly in school, by and large, the majority of us, um, the, the movement part and learning through movement and... Um, as a result, I think we become adults who are kind of afraid to move or to dance or to play or to be silly and um, lose that part that feeds our creativity and therefore feeds our ability to learn and do meaningful work and connect with people in other ways beyond um, simply speaking or listening or writing uh, online or on computer and text. Um, so trying to be deliberate about that, that part of our lives in society. 
Yeah, and and when we play, we the playful experience helps us to become more aware. So that's my knowing about it. And when I so when I play away from the computer or away from any technology technological piece, say a digital uh, camera or a uh, you know recorder or whatever. Um, I'm able to then go back to try something new technologically and play with it in a way that is much more focused and decide, make a goal for myself, what is it I want out of this, whatever I'm going to. Um, And so here we, we created the show called Creativity and Play on Block Talk Radio. There's a medium, and um, Steve Dahlberg said it, you know, did the administration set it up? So there's there's a little bit of thinking that goes on here. How does that how does that happen? How do you make that happen? And then we can once that's done, and we and we played with that flow, uh, then we can we can interview um, various creativity and play experts. That's a re- that it, you know. So what is the what is it we want to do with the technology? Something maybe as simple as blog talk radio, simpler than a lot of the technological forms. And then what's our goal? What do we want to get out of it? And what are we offering ourselves and everybody else through it? Those are I think that's a good way to look at um, all the offerings that are out there because it's kind of like a grocery store. <laughs> where you have a hundred different kinds of, you know, laundry detergent or whatever. And the same out, you know, in technology. There's so much. And even when I looked at David's uh, books and all his offerings, there's just so much. So what my approach is is a very intuitive approach. What do I want to go to? Where, where does my, you know, where do I want to flow? What attracts me? That's one way that I might approach technology and um, and then try something out. And for me, if it doesn't work, I mean, if I'm struggling with it, then I let it go and go back into it. Um, and you know, that's just that's just part of how I've been playing with the flow um, because I think uh, sometimes I watch people who are on. Um, you know, I talked to a lot, quite a few people about being on these various technological devices and it can, you know, many people are stressed out, not because just that, but just our lifestyle is so full and um, it's just one more thing and then we're, it often pulls us away from personal interaction if we are imbalanced in one way or the other. So um, my goal would be to play with these uh, technologies and to find out more through people like David, and um, and also I really appreciate David's comedic sense in what he bring, what I saw he brings to his writing and his videos and, and um, all his uh, creative ventures into technology. Which really, I, I think, think that's, a, that's a huge part of the play. Yeah, the, the connection of, of fun and humor and laughter as part of play and creativity and Really, I think what makes creativity work is what makes humor work in this, this ability to see unexpected connections and have the aha moment that either makes us laugh or gives us insight. And, you know, 
coming to that through play is such a key connection. And um, I think what you were just describing about, you know, playing with technology to do new things such as this show, you know, in turn allows us to play with ideas with the guests that come to us with their different pieces of background about the topics of creativity and play and in turn how the broader public who hears these conversations um, can continue to play with those ideas and, and bring their own background and knowledge and experience to the topics that we're exploring that are very diverse in terms of, of, of what each of these guests have brought thus far um, and, and the, the guests coming up. And again, most of our guests in these first several shows are people who will be um, at the Creativity World Forum in Oklahoma on November 15th through 17th, uh, which is a, a national gathering, an international gathering of, of people representing, again, diverse aspects of creativity coming out of business and education and nonprofits and arts and, again, coming from multiple countries. And so part of, of what's going on at, at the forum is really to link creativity across these different areas and knowing that there's conversations going on in each of these areas, but oftentimes separate conversations, not bringing creativity and innovation from business together with creative education, together with creative governing and politics and, and government and creative leadership and nonprofit organizations and creative arts from all levels of, of society. So trying to bring that conversation together face-to-face -to -face at this forum in November, but what will also happen at the forum is, is the launch of the National Creativity Network, which will hopefully keep this conversation going on in many different ways nationally um, through face-to-face -face forums, through things like the Creativity and Play blog talk radio show, through workshops, through online forums and discussions to try to, to better integrate the work and interest that is out there around creativity coming out of all these different fields of, of work and community. So I think you know, what we've explored today, um, in lieu of David joining us, and we will uh, work to get him back on a rescheduled show, uh, but really raising the topics that we hope to continue exploring in the future shows um, and, and at some point to hopefully involve um, listeners in the conversation as well. and. Um, as we look forward uh, to the future shows, uh, we will have the executive director of the Lincoln Center Institute, Scott Noppy Brandon, who's also the author of Imagination First. He'll be joining us on Wednesday, October 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And the cultural anthropologist and writer, Mary Catherine Bateson, at noon Eastern on Thursday, October 21st. And you can listen to this show again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. And we thank you for joining us today. Hope you'll join us again with David Pogue in the future. And I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs>